0: The moment. Hello, everyone. Today I'll be speaking with one of your favorite barbers and owner of Town Barber, uh, both locations at Queen and Gladstone, as well as the location at Dundas and Ossington. Please welcome Chris Hamill.
1: Hi, how are you? Great to see you.
0: Great to see you, man. I'm happy to see you. I mean, I wish this was in person. The reason why I wanted to do this is, I mean, I mean, you've been in the neighborhood for for a while. I talked to Cass a lot, you know, my partner and, you know, she's known you for a while as well from the neighborhood. Uh, one of the things that struck me um, was she would tell me like how kind you were in general, but also how kind you were to our dog, right? Our dog who passed away last year. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Would you call you like you're an animal lover, right? yeah big time I like animals more than I like people <laughs> how long how long did uh it take for you to realize that like when did you realize that
1: oh like I, we had dogs growing up and um and like I I we always had like big shaggy dogs and I was always like riding them around the house and they were they were you know very tolerant of my my childhood bullshit but it like I've, I've always just loved loved do- dogs primarily but like you know, I was a really heavy animal rights activist in high school and the years following. Nice. And um, I, I've kind of drifted. I, I guess I would say I eat mostly vegetarian, but yeah. um, a little bit of fish. And then, and then um, you know, I was vegan for a number of years in the 90s when everything tasted like shit. But it was still, it was more about the, the message, you know what I mean? Yeah, vegan yeah. It that- was, car- was basically cardboard back then.
0: Yeah, yeah, very difficult time to be vegan. It's a little bit easier now, I think. They've got a bunch of different cheeses and and stuff. Um,
1: Which makes me wonder what my excuse is now, but, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No worries, man. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show, man. Uh, You know, you you got two barbershops, you have a coffee shop as well, and you have a music career that I wanted to chat about as well. But I wanted to start with uh, Town Barber. And, you know, one of the reasons I started this whole podcasting was because I I'm always curious, right? So one of the things that really struck me when I walked into the shop, I think it's the one on Queen Street, you have this big sign that says, uh, you know, if you're if you're sexist, racist, homophobic, transphobic, please come back when you're not Uh, like, where did that come from? Like, did you have that made? Or did you find that? Or?
1: I had it made. um, I have a buddy, uh, Andrew Kidder, he goes by the name Arcade, um, R-C-A-D-E. He's like a local graffiti artist turned sign painter. And he's, he's an amazing nice. dude. He's just like a, you know, a, a great guy. And, and I, he's done all of my hand painted signs in the shop. So, um, while I was building the queen street shop, I mean, I was on that block living in that block 15 years ago. And I've, I've kind of watched the transformation of that neighborhood, um, gentrification, if you will, or what, whatever the, 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 change that's happened that, w- that was kind of inevitable. Um, mm-hmm. And while I was building that shop, I had the door open one day, and it was a hot day. And I heard two guys yelling outside, and they were using language that I didn't like, words that I that I that I don't think should be uh, said in you know this day and age. And and I basically had like a moment on the steps there where I was like, if this is how this neighborhood is, this is what it's turning into. I need to do whatever I can to to make sure that those people that 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 think they can you know throw words like that around um are not comfortable in in here because i don't want i don't want them around me and if and if they're going to be around i just don't want to open the shop on this block so that was the first thing to go up on the wall i called andrew and i was like hey i want a sign to say this i want it to be the first thing you see when you walk in so i went across the street to the art store and bought a a giant plank of wood uh he painted it on it that day we that was the first thing to go up on the wall when we opened. It was it, it it's kind of become the mantra like i didn't think it, people would stop in and like take photos of it or anything it just kind of happened but yeah. we ended up putting it on a shirt we've donated money to different you know related charities every kind of quarter when when um when we you know uh for for anything with that that message on it like that's where the the, the money has gone so it's it's been cool yeah. we've done like mugs and shirts and tote bags and stuff and uh the response has been great especially kind of recently, I think people have just kind of found it on the internet and, uh, and throughout this last sort of like social rights movement that that is kicking yeah. off, which is long, long, long overdue. Um, yeah. a lot of people have been, been ordering. So that's, that's, it's been pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I got to grab myself that shirt. I had no idea, man, but th- like, I'm glad that's where it kind of came from. It's really interesting to see that there's a nice story behind it. Um, so like the, the name town barber, where did, where did that come from? Like, how did you come up with that?
1: Um, when I, so I, I used to work in another shop and when I was fired, I kind of in a, in a panic, um, you know, town moto on Ossington. Yeah. So, so when, when, uh, when I was fired, I, I, I immediately went right there and we were like, okay, how can I, how can I, I need to, I need to hit the ground running here. Like I have to open my own shop because I've burned a bunch of bridges in this industry in the city. So I probably shouldn't just go asking somebody for a job. I'm just going to do my own thing. And, um, and so we decided we were going to build a building behind town moto and they own the property so it was kind of a no-brainer and we started you know going to the city to figure out what the the ordinances were for like you know building in a back alley essentially we were going to have an entrance through the back alley or through the the, like town moto itself Mm -hmm. Um, and there would have been like a little courtyard area and in that courtyard which is currently their courtyard and like a little patio Mm -hmm. um, that was where the shop started so for a summer um I guess this is like 7 years ago. Yeah. Uh I was I was set up on that patio. We we built like an awning. I think I think I spent like 500 bucks on materials and you know we we got up on some ladders and we built this awning and I was able to cut every day that the weather was nice and while I was cutting I was kind of planning I, I met with an architect who you know designed a, a a you know Jay Pooley? Uh
0: no, I don't know Jay Pooley
1: remember Jay Pooley? No, he 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 was uh he used to train with us but he um I met him kind of at a right time because he's just like, he's the best dude. And he, you know, we, we hit it off immediately. We're very like-minded in a lot of respects. And so he designed me this unbelievable building and then we never got the permits to do it. So I like dug the trench from the back of town moto. I was like digging under the building, trying to like Uh get the right slope for all the plumbing and the electrical and everything that was going to go in. And then to not get it, we kind of in a panic had to go somewhere else. So we decided to call it Town Barber because it was going to be kind of essentially in the town oh, moto family,
0: cool, you know? Yeah. You know, in hindsight, that kind of makes sense. Cause I did hear uh, people have told me in the past, like, that's kind of where it started was like in the back of town moto. So I'm glad I, I finally uh, made the, the connection there. Um, what happened with uh, like the second one, what brought about like the idea or the motivation to open up the second shop?
1: uh well i mean the first the first chapter of the shop obviously was talmodo and then we went over to queen and dover court um rob dyer from skate for cancer had a had like a brick and mortar pop-up space there and it was like mm-hmm. this massive old warehouse it's now like a rec stall and a condo building but it was um they built that thing so fast and it was it was this beautiful old like warehouse space and so we kind of went in the back there and right when i went there i i hired uh Kiwi Dan to 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 work with me and basically like he's the reason the shop kicked off because at first I was my plan was like when I got fired I was so discouraged and so like kind of soured on you know barbering in general and the culture around mm-hmm. it that I I was just mm-hmm. like you know fuck this I'm going to open a cafe or something and 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 do my own thing and um Dan had moved here from New Zealand and didn't have anywhere to work so I was like well let's build a shop that you know he can work in and so we we, um, we went in the back of Rob Dyer's space. We built this shop out in like, I think like two hours. We hung a bunch of lights from the ceiling. There was like one breaker in there. And so while he was cutting hair, he was cutting a lot of my clients. And while he was cutting, I was digging the trench for, for, the, um, for the shop that never happened. And so we were there for a few months. And then on New Year's, we, his lease was up. So we ended up in the back of Lost and Found for, um, I guess, for like a, a full year. And uh, we were supposed to stay there for a couple of months while we like negotiated some other spaces and nothing really happened. It kind of took forever. And it was like, I was getting dicked around on leases in different places. It was at, at the time, Ossington was just like really starting to bubble. So yeah. um, everybody thought their space is worth a lot more than it was. And the, and you know, the, the, the numbers that people were throwing out were just insane. So I, uh, I was in the back alley of my wife's shop on Ossington and I was Uh, screaming at a landlord for dragging me along for six months. And I saw for lease sign through the alleyway uh, at Dundas. And I walked up and um, I hung up on the dude and I called number on the, on the window and um, old old Portuguese landlord, you know, in the, in the neighborhood, he uh, he said that he was showing it tomorrow at uh, three 30. And I was like, okay, show it to me at three and I'm going to bring cash. And he's like, well, (laughs) what what do you want to do? I don't want a restaurant. I was like a barbershop. He's like, no, no, no. It's too big for a barbershop. And I was like, I can make it work. The rent is the perfect price. Meet me. So I, I showed up, I had cash in hand. We, uh, it was a dump. It was like this garbage, like, you know, Portuguese restaurant, like, like sports bar that was just like run into the ground. Oh, okay, okay. And, but the building, I could tell like the bones were, were there. Like the building is solid, mm-hmm. you know, it's a cinder block building. He told me that he built the building with his hands. and like, he was, he's awesome. He's, he's a great guy. And so, um, he gave me the lease and um, I, he gave me a month free, so I was like, okay, I have a month to build this thing out. And um, I took the lost and found. I did one tour with a buddy to like make a little extra cash while I was building it out. And then, um, yeah. and when I did that, we I I built four chairs because there was only me, Dan, and this girl Madison at the time. And so mm-hmm. I figured maybe we'll hire one more person, and that'll be it. Like a four-chair shop seems huge to me. Mm-hmm. And within the first year, we renovated the shop, we added two chairs, because we, we maxed out our barbers. And then we, we even changed the schedule. So we were doing like four 10 hour days each. Mm-hmm. And we just we just kept growing and growing and growing. And I was like, Okay, well, this is this makes sense. Like, this is where we want to be. But I don't I don't think we'll ever have another shop. And um, my my partner, I got a partner in the business uh, in the coffee shop. Yeah. And he and I had been talking about doing a coffee shop forever. I know him through like music and stuff. And, um, and he was like, well, let's, let's do it. And I showed it. We had a spot on the East side that we were going to do a coffee shop, barbershop. Mm-hmm. The landlord over there was kind of a jerk. And I used to live above the queen street shop and the landlord called me and she was like, Hey, it's, it's for relief. Like if you want it, I'll give you a crazy deal. She's like, I'm going to give it to you for half of what I just got offered because your business builds community. Whereas the guy that just offered me all this money takes from community. And so I just, like I knew the building needed some work and it was going to be a challenge, but I just love that approach of like, okay, she's, I, I met her 15 years before when we lived a couple doors down, we would sit on her stoop cause she had a better stoop. So all summer we'd be on her stoop and she was, she was joking that we were like her bouncers to her house. And, yeah. um, she's just a sweet older woman, you know, and she lives in, uh, Prince Edward County now. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, I lived there and I, I loved having her as a landlord and, um, so I guess about two years into the Dundas shop, we, we got the lease on Queen and I called Martin and I was like, Hey man, we're doing this coffee shop. Cause I just got this space. Like, let's, you know, let's make it happen. And so he, he, um, you know, came down checked it out. We shook hands, wrote a, like a, a contract on a napkin, literally. And then, uh, and built this coffee shop. We started like asking around, like we both know what kind of coffee we like and what we like mm-hmm. in coffee and so on but I didn't know like gear. I didn't know any of that. So we called some of our, like the shops that we like really look up to and ask them for advice and tips, nice. and, you know, all, suppliers and all that kind of stuff. And I, I did know the barbering stuff. So I could like, you know, we built the shop out super cheap. I, a lot of that shop is um a recycled um, front lobby of a hotel. So all mm-hmm. that like slat work uh, the wood stuff and the countertop and all that stuff, it was all pulled out of a hotel that was getting demolished. And so we, you know we were able to like repurpose that so nice. we, we lucked out big time
0: awesome man and like who, who does who does all of the design work like do you do it like in a group or is that just you because i love the style it's like so creative and, and unique i haven't seen anything like it to be honest like all the artwork and everything
1: like all the stuff on the walls um at one point or another has probably been in my apartment and my wife um hates it mostly so <laughs> she was she was like, well, you know, is there somewhere else we can put this? So we joke that I just opened a second shop so I could put more shit on the wall. Cause there, like, there isn't much wall space left when everything's up there, you know? So, yeah. um, and I mean, like I'm in my office now and all of my favorite art pieces are, are down here. Like it's a little bit more of like a civilized version of what's upstairs, I guess. But um, yeah, like it, 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 it all just kind of comes to me in, in I mean, with budget in mind for sure. And then, um, you know, whatever my, my influence is, like a lot of the stuff I've just collected over the years from like music stuff to art that I love. Um, I got a lot of friends who are tattooers, so I've been collecting a lot of their art stuff, too. So, yeah, but so, I've always cool. kind of had this stuff around.
0: So, I mean, you, you open up the coffee shop. Uh, you're the owner of the coffee shop. And so I'm assuming you drink coffee.
1: Oh, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've, got, I've got one right here. <laughs> I drink a lot oh, of coffee.
0: Okay, like how many cups a day?
1: Um, I mean, I'm, I'm scaled back to probably like three now. So I'll do okay. like I'll wake up and have a cup at home, and then I'll cruise by the shop and have a shot of espresso, and then you know midday I'll have uh I'll have like, you know, an iced americano or something like that, and then I don't normally don't drink it past four, but I've got I've still got a meeting after this tonight that'll take me late, and so I'm I. I'm trying to be a little more alert, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Busy guy, man. So, I mean, (laughs) we talked a bit about the shop, talked a bit about the the coffee shop as well. Uh, I know that you ran a marathon, right? The the Chicago, was that the Chicago one?
1: Chicago, yeah. I guess uh, three or four years ago now.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's how we met, right? Because you were coming into the clinic. I think you were working with Glenn a bit.
1: I was broken and you fixed me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like I think you you briefly told me that story. Um I think a friend of friend dared you and you were like, "All right, fuck it, like I'll do it." Is that how it went?
1: Kind of. He he didn't really dare me, he more um what's the word I'm looking for? He basically like he he told me I couldn't do it. And yeah. like we were we were he had just finished a race and we were sitting at a cafe and there was a few of us sitting around and I joked about doing Chicago cuz I love that city. So mm-hmm. we had been joking about it and um you know Danny Oakes, like he, yeah. he and I had been had been talking about running Chicago just so we could go to Chicago together and um and so he he brought up these you know Matt our friend Matt is sitting there and he's like on paper Matt is everything that I would hate because he was the guy that would basically pick on me when I was when I was growing up like I hated hockey because I got beat up by hockey players Matt was an ex-pro hockey player so you know <laughs> he's, he's like on paper I would hate him and he's one of my closest friends he's the sweetest dude he's like Mm -hmm. one of the more thoughtful people in my life and and coming from like a big jock it's like it's like that much more endearing you know so Mm -hmm. he's that guy that can say the sketchiest thing and you laugh anyway because it's just it's mad and it comes from a good place so when he was like uh, you know there's no way you couldn't you couldn't run a marathon if it bit you in the ass and I was like oh yeah and and he's like well he goes yeah you know I, I just don't I just don't think you have it in you and I was like okay well I want to do Chicago, but it's, it's sold out, you know? And he's like, well, my, I work for Nike and, and, you know, my company's sponsoring it. So I can probably get you a bib. And I was like, all right. I, and I shook his hand and he's like, let's, let's put a wager on it. And I was like, oh, my oh God. God, I'm, I'm going to get in this. And he's like, he's like, I bet you're going to gas at 35 kilometers. And I was like, oh yeah, fuck 35 and fuck you. And so we just kind of <laughs> sat there at this thing and it was like kind of hostile and everybody yeah. sat on the table and was like, are these guys like do they hate each other or whatever and so he was like I will let's make a bet I'll give you a bunch of gear and I'll mm-hmm. sponsor you as an athlete I'll get you trainers I'll get you anything you want if you can do it in in four hours I'll let you keep everything if you can do it in four hours and a, and one if you do it in four hours and one minute or over you have to take me to the dinner of my choice in Chicago I was like wow. deal and so we kind of like went on that four hours was the goal and I kept saying four hours and then he, every single day for, I think it was like 280 days. I sent him a photo of me blowing a kiss and giving him the finger while, while I trained and I trained for like every day I did something, you know?
0: And how long was the training?
1: It was, uh, 16 weeks, I think. Wow. And, and it was through the summer, which I'm, my body runs hot all the time. So it was wow. torture. Like I, I love running in the winter, but the summer is not my friend. Cause I'm always sweating. So it's like,
0: and were you a runner before this?
1: I I, like casually, but I, but I at this point I had basically quit. I was like, you know, I ran with Parkdale Roadrunners for a long, long time, almost since the beginning. And I loved the running community. I loved what it brought out. I loved like the social aspect of it. But in the words of my dad quoting Helen Wolf, I'm built for comfort, not built for speed. So it's like, you know, he, he, Matt was really like pushing on that and pushing on that. And so I tried to get like lean up. I tried to, you know, my diet was dialed in. I was seeing you guys, you were fixing me. I was totally broken. And then about two weeks out, I said to Matt, I was like, dude, um, I'm going to fucking crush four hours. And I had no confidence. I just said this to instigate him. And he goes, oh yeah? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, if you can do it in 345, I'll get a tattoo of you blowing a kiss and giving a finger. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay if I do over four hours or four hours and one minute, I will get a tattoo of you riding a unicorn wearing air max one. And so we like shook on that. And I was like, this is so stupid. And I mean, a tattoo on me, I can, I can hide it somewhere. No one's ever going to notice it, but this guy's got like one like Olympic flag tattoo on his fucking arm or something. So I was like, this is going to be hysterical. So uh, Matt Gio and, and, and big Matt, like, Big Matt, the, the guy who challenged me, he ran the race with me too. So like, that was also like the, the cool part of it. The night before he tried to convince me to have um, shrimp curry, which is probably the worst pre-race food ever. Um, he was basically just trying to sabotage me. And, um, and so we got to the start line and I looked at Mike and I was like, hey, we're doing 345. And he's like, no, 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 we planned for four. And I was like, we're doing 345. Like I'm, I'm gonna rub it in this dude's face. like." get me to the finish line before 345 and all three of these guys have have run marathons before so they're like you know they're in it they they know what they're doing they're like seasoned vets and i'm just like you know this idiot who thinks he can finish so i i was staying with my, my buddy in chicago and his family and they were like the most supportive they even came out to the race and like cheered me on and um So we get running and I'm just like, immediately my nerves are a mess. And I'm, he's like in my head, just chirping me the whole time. But he did stop at at like every single water station. He grabbed me a water and a Gatorade. He was a total gentleman about it. And he was like, he was the best. And so, so we get to the 35 kilometer mark. And for the whole kilometer, I gave him a finger. And I was just like super pissed. Oh, I also stopped at 21 to go to the bathroom.
0: because I was
1: like my nerves were so heavy that I was like I'm I'm gonna shit my pants so I I uh (laughs) I I, I, uh I'm in a porta potty and this woman opens the door I
0: oh no and
1: uh (laughs) it was like she looked in my soul and she screamed and I was like I'm like shaking because I you know I've just run 21 kilometers and I'm like just dusted and I looked at her and I'm like I'm so sorry and she screamed and she slams the door and Matt's in the next stall and he goes yeah I'm get it and we were all <laughs> like, howling so I couldn't go to the bathroom I got stage fright I pulled oh my, my shorts gosh. up and I and I kept running so um so I kept going and you know I think about the 30 kilometer mark the family that I was staying with um they were there cheering it was it was so it was like the most surreal experience and then I hit a point at about 36 K where, um, I was, I was kind of like in a lull. I was, I was pretty, pretty dust. maybe it was before that. It was, it was actually before the 35, so it's about 32. And I looked to, to my left and I saw a sign that was upside down and it said, um, it said my name on it. Like I'm, you know, something about, I'm, I'm here or you like, go, go Chris Hamill, go or something. And I was like, what the fuck? That guy's got my name. And I was like, and he's an idiot because his sign's upside down. And I like focused in and it was my little brother. And he oh, flew to Chicago to surprise me. We had had like a bit of a, not like we just weren't getting along too well. We, you know, stuff was just kind of weird. We, he was doing some stuff in his career that I didn't agree with. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and so we were kind of at, at odds with each other and he flipped the sign over and just said, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just here cause I love you. Or something like oh, that, man. and I was like, "Man, that's, that's fucking, fucking awesome. sweet." So I'm like, dude. I'm bawling my eyes out, and I'm running <laughs> with with these goons, and little Matt's like, "You know that guy?" And I'm like, "It's my brother, man! Like, this is crazy." So we um we keep running, and that like gave me a boost of energy, and and it's funny because I was looking at the data, and like where I saw Nick and his family, who I was staying with, I got faster, and then when I saw my brother, I got faster, and so like we got to the part where the Parkdale Roadrunners like cheer squad was, yeah. and I got like. Turbocharged, and I was like going for it. I was like, "Okay, yeah, I think I can finish this." And we we were we were closing in, and Mike was in, on my like back shoulder, and I could hear him struggling. And, and so in my head, Mark's, Mike's like the strongest dude I know, running. And yeah. I was like, if Mike's struggling, I'm dead. I'm like I'm done. So I started thinking like I'm just gonna walk. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get off the course, and I and Matt wins, and I'll take him off for dinner, and that's it. And I turned around, and I I, I found out later Mike had stopped and then he picked back up and and caught up with me and so Mike's now like coming up on me little Matt's over here big Matt is just cocky like making fun of me the whole way and uh and we get to like a kilometer left and uh, my legs are done and I'm just like Mike I'm I, I can't finish and he's like don't fucking talk and I was like dude I'm done I'm I'm walking off and he's like he's like no 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 you're not allowed and I was like dude I can't, it's a heat wave. It's just like deadly. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm seeing people drop on the ground and I'm like, that guy looks fit. Why is he lying there? And I'm still going like, I'm dead, you know? And so we got to about 600 meters and there was a guy (laughs) eating cookies, like, like a whole box of cookies. And he's just like crumbs on his face and he points me in the face and he goes, you, and I like looked at him and he goes, go. And I just (laughs) set up and in my head, I was like, you know, running the fastest like fastest kilometer of my life. But I probably look like a just a broken shell of a human, like falling apart at the finish line. And so my goal was to get a photo to send to the finish photo was gonna be me with both middle fingers up. And so in my in my head I'm finishing and I'm crossing the finish line and I'm just like emotional and, and totally that My brother ran alongside me, like he showed back up at the finish. And I'm I'm like in my head I'm running like Both fingers in the air, like cheering, in the photo I'm like almost (laughs) dead. But my fingers were up, so I got it. And uh, and so we were all like, you know, across at the same time, and um, and they put the blanket on me, and I was straight up hallucinating. I felt like I was on drugs, and I don't, I don't even drink. So for me, it was just like the weirdest experience. Runner's high is a very real thing, and I and I didn't experience it till right then. Wow. And we walked, we walked over to the Bean, the Chicago Bean, to take photos yeah and while we're walking oh my, my watch said three um three forty, three forty five fifty eight, 58 and I was like okay well I stopped and the watches are never accurate because like GPS shit gets weird but maybe I maybe I'm like I got close to four hours because I thought like I don't know how long I stopped for to to the bathroom I definitely lagged a little mm-hmm. bit mm-hmm. and so um so we we were walking over and Mike grabs me and he's checking the official race results on the internet and he grabs me and goes dude you fucking did it and i was like i did 4 hours oh my god i'm, I'm so happy he's like no 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 you you did 345
0: no way and dude. i look
1: i look at big man and i was like i was like dude we're going right to the tattoo shop <laughs> like now the guy i'm staying with is the best tattooer in the city like we're we're going there right now and he's like no man what's the time and i was like my the official time was 34556 and he goes I said, sub 345. And I was like, no, you didn't. There's no way you did. And so we, we were bickering back and forth and I was super pissed off about it. And I was like, man, this guy still, there's no way he's going to get a tattoo of me. Like he found his loophole. And, and I was like, man, you said 345. He goes, no. And I was like, Matt, what's your best marathon? He's like 30921. And I was like, he's like, but he says 309. I'm like, dude, you, I won. I got. I won the bet. This is it. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, man. I, I, said sub, and we, we went back and forth. I, we somehow got a hold of his new girlfriend, who's now his wife. Um, <laughs> at the time, he was, he was leaving Chicago and going to stay with her in D.C. And so we had her print off a photo of me blowing a kiss, giving the finger, and put it on her bedside. <laughs> oh <laughs> so no he got, way, man. He got there, and like see, I've been trolling him with this for years. I had his contractor um, put a framed photo of me in another race, giving the finger. <laughs> Uh, on his mantle and it sat there for two weeks so his brothers like why do you have a photo of him on your mantle so i've been doing this like you know steady for years i got freaking oh plan i'm i'm ready to go so so yeah, but he didn't get
0: the tattoo month. yet
1: he didn't he, 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 oh, he never man. will like he's he's that <laughs> dude he'll he'll stick to it but um yeah and it, it, the the motto of like fuck 35 became like the thing and then danny got a tattoo of me so i feel like danny was the real loser in the whole thing because he ended up with a tattoo of me but he uh he got it on his eye and um it was super funny because it was just i was like matt he got it he's like that's his problem man like (laughs) you know it was (laughs) it was good we've we've still been bickering about it since but like yeah he's he's the best dude like that whole crew is like literally like that that was probably probably the most accomplished i've ever felt was running that race but like the fact that i could do it with those guys it was just so special like you know it, it, i'll never run another race. oh and i middle of the night i called mike and i was like dude i um i broke my foot and he's like no you didn't and you're just you're just like you just ran a marathon you're in pain and my brother beforehand got me a hotel room he called every hotel in chicago to find out who has the biggest bathtub which is yeah. the sweetest thing so then he like got me this room and i i'm sleeping and i'm like dude my foot is fucked and then I came to you guys, I came, and 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 it was a, for sure a stress fracture. So yeah, I ended up breaking my foot in the race, and and I think I walked around Chicago for like a week after, and I was just like, dust. Insane, but, dude.
0: Know, Insane.
1: I retired shortly after that because it <laughs> was not, it did not feel good, and I am not built for that shit, man. No way.
0: Oh well, you know what? I mean, I think you've inspired me because it's one of those things that I've been sort of wrestling with back and forth. I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm into fitness and whatnot, but the marathon thing you're is you're built kind of for, it, there. dude
1: you're built for it you gotta do it
0: i'm a little bit too thick i think i I gotta lean out a little bit more i think but i I just one of those things man but that's a a fucking crazy story man i really man i was really hoping that your buddy would have got that tattoo because i would have got a picture
1: (laughs) yeah um me too i'm i'm gonna keep chirping him about it i uh maybe if if only i could do those like like um hair tattoo like portraits in the side of his head or something but that's not gonna happen that's not myself but he uh yeah I'll keep chirping them. If it happens one day, I'll send you a photo.
0: Yes, please do, man. Please do. I, I need that photo too of you giving the finger, man. The two fingers at the finish line.
1: <laughs> okay. I'll find it. <laughs>
0: um, all right, man. One, one other thing I wanted to chat with you about was uh, a bit of the music career. You know, we were chatting a little bit earlier um, just before this um, and you were telling me that, you know, you, you were touring a little bit um, and it's one of the things that keeps you young. So like, and you, you were a singer, you said, right?
1: yeah i i sang in like punk like hardcore punk bands um growing up in in high school and then you know kind of through my 20s and stuff and I, I i ended up making a career out of um out of touring for you know i guess it was like i i left high school and traveled a little bit and and ended up living in zealand for a little bit and touring South, traveling southeast asia and then um when i when I kind of came home. I was like, okay, I need, I need a job that's going to get me traveling. Cause I do not, I grew up in Kitchener, Ontario and I did not want to stay there. I, I hated it. The only thing I could see was, was leaving. And so I moved to Toronto and I, and I immediately got a call, um, to tour with, with a band that might like, when I was in high school, I worked, I did co-op for a, a music promoter and he ended up tour managing a band called Goldfinger. And so he, called and asked if I would take over his position uh sorry stage managing um asked if I would take over his position because he was going to get married and so I ended up touring with them and I I told them I would do the tour if my band could open up so we opened this like Goldfinger Simple Plan tour across Canada and and um we did a bunch of a bunch of that stuff and slowly I kind of like played less music and was touring more with other bands because that was what was paying my bills so Mm -hmm. I was able to kind of like you know it felt like Never Neverland. Like you leave all your problems in the last city and you just kind of keep moving and moving and moving. And before you know it, you've been doing it for 10 years and, you know, finding little shit jobs between. And I was, you know, touring with some bands, some friend bands for free, just because they didn't have enough money to pay anybody. So it was like, it was, it was super fun. And, you know, Warp Tour, I did that a a bunch of times and it always just felt like shitty, you know, summer camp. Um, But like, it was always the most fun. And basically like, trying to prolong growing up as as much as I could um but I I mean I still like I I, we were talking about before I I've I've been singing in this band for a couple years now that has just been like just a casual like fun thing and we keep getting these like opening slots for bands that I grew up loving who are now like on their like old guy reunion tour cycles so um you know when when I was in my teens and 20s going to these shows and seeing these guys who are, like, big figures. They've become peers and friends. And, you know, it's been super cool to be able to kind of, like, full circle, be, like, 38 years old and still going to shows. It's a little different with everybody staring at their screen while you're playing now. But, it's you know, it's still super fun. And, I mean, I, like, I, I, I think I'll always have some connection to music, you know?
0: Nice. You feel like you're still uh, fighting that battle to stay young?
1: I mean, I, I don't really... I don't think it's like fighting the battle to stay young. I think it's just like just continuing to live young, you know, like I I surround myself with, with people who are very like-minded and, you know, like growing up in punk music, it's like very youth driven culture that, you know, like, like all my values came from, from that. I mean, my, my parents, I guess were like old hippies. And so I I did carry on a lot of their like beliefs and values and stuff.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But, but I think when I found punk, I was like, well, this is kind of like what, these are the values that i was raised on you know and and like diy culture like do it yourself and and you know community and and you know anti-racism and like all of the you know the kind of founding values of of punk and and hardcore music kind of just just kept resurfacing so it it just kind of made me feel like this is where i belong it's just like what i'm supposed to be doing and you know i i kind of run my business like that as well now and it's it's like you know, I probably don't have the best business mindset, but I'm able to kind of like continue on with like, you know, it's very unconventional, but that's kind of how my whole life has been. So it's yeah. um, it's 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 cool that I can like, you know, we can play whatever music we want, we eat what we want at lunch, we hang out with our friends. There's people in and out dropping stuff off. Well, obviously not with COVID anymore because the rules are weird. But um yeah. you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff that are, that are like keeping. Keeping my my thirty uh, eight year old mind feeling seventeen, you know.
0: Nice man. I'm happy to hear that. I mean, I, I think you're you're doing a great thing over there, man. Building community is something that came up a few times, and um, yeah, I feel like you're you're bringing people together, man. And I appreciate that, and that's Thanks. one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show, man. Um, I
1: appreciate that. That's that's what a barbershop's for.
0: Yeah. All right. So to wrap things up, um, how do people get a haircut if they want a haircut at uh, Barber?
1: townbarber.ca is the website um, both both uh, both shops are on there Queen Street West and uh, Dundas and Ossington awesome yeah and a major Our, major treat is the coffee shop
0: beautiful man thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy so really really appreciate Thanks for it having me. and yeah. yeah hopefully we can do this again sometime because I know there's a couple of other things I'd like to love to get to know
1: whenever you want I'm sure I'll see you soon
0: alright buddy take care man
1: okay take care pa. yeah see ya